0: We'd like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Pure Bliss Hair Studio and Day Spa in Peoria, Illinois. You can find out more information at their website, pureblisspeoria.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the H&H Hour. My name is Heather Taves and I am here with my very fun, beautiful other H, Sister, one of the other H's.
1: <laughs> we have two H's. I know. Yeah. This
0: one's Heidi. Mm-hmm. Our our, okay. our other H, Holly. She's she's not on here. We're gonna get her on here she, one of I these know, days. I We need to. But she does so much of our behind the scenes work yeah. with our graphics and.
1: Just helps us be trendy and cool. She's a decade younger than me, yes. and 14 years younger than you. So there's often days where I'll text her a photo of something and say, like, "Is this okay? I know. Am I is this good?" <laughs> and then I feel officially old. I know,
0: especially if she says no. But then yeah. there are those times where she's like, "Yeah, that's awesome," and you're like, "Oh,
1: whew. Or when okay. she asks to borrow something of mine. When she asks to borrow something, then I feel like we're good. Yes, it's so cool.
0: The other day, she <laughs> um, found out that uh, I had a certain app. Mm It's kind of new and upcoming, and um, she was like, what? You know about this?
1: (laughs) I felt awesome. Yeah. She's (laughs) probably the coolest age I know. She is.
0: (laughs) Well, if you are new to the H&H Hour, we have this podcast um, because it was God's idea. Yeah. And we wanted to do a couple things. We wanted to point out that... Our ordinary lives, Heidi and I both have very ordinary mm-hmm. lives, mm-hmm. but God has called us to extraordinary things. Yeah. The thing is, is they're not these huge, big platform things. They're everyday life things. Right. And we love to highlight that ordinary is extraordinary. Yeah. And that when we start to look at life that way, when we start to look at the things that God's put in front of us that way, it really does change everything. Yeah. You were able to thrive in the life that he's given you mm-hmm. and the steps that you've taken in your life um, instead of feel like you're worthless or feel like you're not good enough. right. And so often I think our world highlights people um, who have these big platforms or have accomplished these what the world would consider big things mm-hmm. when really, Heidi, I think it's often the littlest things yeah.
1: that are the most important. Yeah, I think for me it's and, and many of our listeners that have given us the feedback um, from listening to the H&H Hour, they've said that they agree that it's the smallest steps mm-hmm. that looking at it just day in and day out doesn't seem like that big of a deal, right. but they add up to big obedient moments yeah. but before God. Yeah. And so that's really where our heart lies is in helping people understand that even if they feel like they're just living this very ordinary life, that God has written a story that's extraordinary yeah. for them and through them. Yeah. So,
0: And one of our favorite things to do is to bring on people who are ordinary people and give them a platform to tell their story. And we're so excited about today's guest because we don't even know her. Yeah. This is our first time meeting her. She has an awesome name though. I know she does have an awesome name. So Heather Creekmore, welcome to the H&H
1: Hour.
2: Thank you for letting me in your H club.
1: (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Okay. Tell us you've been in the H club before.
2: Well, yes, my college roommate was a Heidi. So it was Heather and Heidi, Heather and Heidi,
0: Heather and Heidi all the time. Oh my goodness, this so. is meant to be. I feel yeah. like I feel like this could easily become, you know, two names that you know you don't need last names for. You know. <laughs> there you go. Like like Oprah, you don't need her last <laughs> yeah. name. Heather yeah. and Heidi, you know. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay, um. so Heather, tell us. Um, we have never met you face to face, but you have a friend who is very near and dear to our hearts. Our sister in love, Brooke Bennett, yes. is, who sent yes. you to us. Can you tell us how you know Brooke?
2: Brooke and I had a mutual friend in D.C. named Christy. And Brooke and I were actually in Christy's wedding together. So we got to travel all over Santa Barbara, California together. Oh, Well, let's see. Maybe that was 20 years ago now, so that's
1: revealing how old Brooke and I are.
0: Sorry,
2: Brooke. Um, um, Yeah, no, I I had a great time when I lived in D.C., and uh, we got to hang out a lot, and it was great. She's wonderful.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. Well, Brooke often, um, she, you know, has said, no, I'm not ready. You know, I don't want to come on the podcast yet. She's such a sweetheart, and she's, like, behind the scenes all the time. She just (laughs) serves everybody else, but she's, like, she's always sending us these awesome people to interview, so... We're grateful for that. Yeah. Cool. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, Heather, and tell our listeners who you are.
2: Hey, well, I am an author and a blogger and a speaker—kind of that whole package, that triad that goes together. But I, um, I felt God prompting me in my regular life uh, of mothering. I have four kids. Mm-hmm. They're now they're eleven. Goodness, ten, I should be faster with this. Eight and almost seven. So we had we had four babies in five years. And just to kind of back up a little bit, when my last was born, so I would have had a four year old, a three year old, a eighteen month old, and a newborn, I felt God prompting me to start writing. Writing was something that I had kind of, you know, done through my career. My husband and I didn't marry until we were in our early thirties. So I had a, I had a career in D C for a decade and you know, I'd done writing but but you know, I had to table everything, right? I have four little kids. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to, you know, I could barely take a shower every
1: day. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs>
2: Prompting me to start writing, and um, and I told my husband, I'm like, I think I'm gonna start blogging, and he was like, well, he laughed, I think, <laughs> and he said, "No one reads blogs, right?" <laughs> I was like, "Well, they do," but um, it was so there was that that time in my life when I started writing, just kind of as an outlet. I just kind of needed needed a way to process everything that was happening. It, the ways I was changing, um, how crazy my life was. I just, I just needed something to do that was a little bit of a diversion, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't get to do it very often. I mean, honestly, you know, if I got to sit down for an hour a week, uh, that was a lot, and it was normally after I got everyone in bed from you know nine to ten p.m. Mm-hmm. I was trying to trying to do a little blogging, but um, that sort of started stirring my passion for writing and a few years after that i was getting ready to turn 40 and <laughs> i'd said this is the year you're going to write a book hmm. and um and i thought well that's kind of funny god like i still have all these kids <laughs> and we Started homeschooling, so you guys like this is how crazy it is. I pulled my kids out of public school at the end of October, um, and then that next January, God was like, "You're gonna write a book," and I'm like, "But God, I'm homeschooling now. Like, (laughs) any chance of doing anything, you know, extra, is
1: off the table."
2: But it was crazy how through homeschooling, like, that was really the avenue that provided me the space and the capacity to be able to write more, uh, because... I had elementary age kids, actually early elementary age at that point. I was only homeschooling my first grader and my kindergartner, but bringing them home, you know, we'd get our work done Mm -hmm. in a couple hours in the morning and they would play together. And put the little ones down for a nap in the afternoon and the big ones, because they were both home, you know, they would engage each other. And so I had some freedom to write and I started writing and I sat down and I wrote my first book in about four months. And got an agent right away, and then went on a four-year journey to try to get it published. Wow! Um, and it came out last year. Uh, so it was uh, it was a, a long path, but uh, was was very uh, blessed and excited to finally hold my finished product in my hands, and it's been just kind of something that's opened a lot of doors since then. I've had a lot more opportunities to minister to women, and specifically what I write about when I speak about is body image issues, Mm, Uh, something that I think, well, I've done studies, and I know... 97% of our population, uh, female population here in this country deals with it, and it's not different between Christian women and those who don't profess to follow Christ. I mean, that's the crazy thing. It's like, Christian women are struggling with this issue in the exact same ways as women who don't have Jesus at the cornerstone of their life. Mm. And so, that makes me passionate and motivated and, and really driven to do something, to see women come out of this really holding place where I think the enemy keeps us just bound with, if I don't look a certain way, I can't do anything for God. Yeah. Um, and so my, my goal, my writing, my speaking is all to just motivate women to uh, see their body image issues in a completely different way. Um, and to, uh, to find their purpose and living for him.
0: Wow. I, that is so awesome. And there's so much there to mm-hmm. unpack. Um, <laughs> first of all, so Heidi and I are both home educators also, yeah. so we have that in common too, Yes, which is awesome. Um, okay, so let's circle back around for a moment because I do want to get to your book and talk about those body image issues because I think they're so crucial, but tell us something about yourself that you would find ordinary.
2: Ooh, ordinary. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> Boy, uh, like the fact that I'm messy, Hmm. So messy. Um, I try not to be, oh. <laughs> but I'm married to a neat freak.
1: And I was gonna now, say, is your husband messy or is he tidy?
2: No, no, he was a marine.
1: Okay, okay. yeah.
2: So like, it's it's been a growing, <laughs> growing <laughs> thing for us this past 13 years or so. Yeah. Um, but no, I I am I am the person who has the discard pile of clothing. I don't know if, if you guys. Have <laughs> Um, because it would get so high on my desk in college that it would kind of start to like lean over (laughs) onto like my bed or her desk or whatever. But um, yeah, I still have that bad habit. But yeah, I think that's that's pretty ordinary, I think.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. I don't know if anyone's ever said that before. So (laughs) that's awesome. I love it. So then what would you say is extraordinary about yourself? Hmm. You know, I feel
2: like I am just, Energized and on fire right now mm. for helping women get free from body image. Mm-hmm. And I have found, just personally, like, yes, it's fulfilling me to hear stories back from women and women who've read my book, and they're like, wow, I've never thought about body image like this before. You have opened my eyes to things i never even conceived of. Like, this is amazing. Like, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. But I can't emphasize enough how when you are serving, living out your purpose, like using your gifts, when you're doing what God created you to do, I mean, how, how that feels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just... It's amazing, and mm-hmm. and so it, it's fun. It's really fun to be at this point in my life when I feel like I've reached a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. You know, not that it's easy. <laughs> you right. know, there's there are certainly hard days and days when I'm like, forget it all. I'm gonna just do nothing. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, but it's it's really it's been extraordinary to just figure out what it means to find purpose and to live it out.
1: Heather, I love that you mentioned that that when you're walking in God's plan for you that there, you just feel something. Um, I got the chance to preach at our church yesterday and I, I referenced something like that is that when you are in the center of God's will, you get this confidence from the Holy Spirit that sometimes other people don't understand because they haven't gotten to experience it yet. And yeah. so I love that you are walking in that. I love that you've, I can tell yeah. through your voice that you've got that confidence from the Holy Spirit. And I think that, is something we really only truly get when we really are close enough to his heartbeat that we can follow the instructions he's giving us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we get so bogged down with all these other things. Yeah. And all the things that culture says we have to do or be, and, you know, and, and we miss just, you know, <laughs> we miss what God has for us.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of that does go back to comparison, doesn't it? Because especially with social media these days, it's so easy to look at hundreds of other people's lives uh-huh. and try and stack their highlights up against our normal every day yeah. that we don't post on Instagram. And uh-huh. and I think – so your book talks about comparison, doesn't it? Yeah. I and
2: mean, this book is really more on body image. Yeah. Comparison is certainly part of that. The book that I'm writing now, which will hopefully be out in the next year or so, um, is more focused on comparison specifically, okay. but, but compared to who is really a book to help women who struggle with body image. And it gives five steps on how to just walk, walk right out of a body image struggle. Um, and it doesn't give you cliches. I think, um, I grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. I grew up in, Church. I started going to Christian school in seventh grade. Went to Christian college. Went to Christian graduate school. Mm. Okay, so I knew the verses. Yeah. I knew I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. I knew my temple. I knew it's what's on the inside that counts. Second Samuel, God looked at David's heart, not at his body. I mm. I got it all, mm. but I still struggled with disordered eating. Mm-hmm. I. Still spent most of my days thinking about how I can make my body look different. I still felt this extraordinary amount of pressure, um, and shame about what I look like and what I was going to do to change it. Wow. And so, um, what God revealed to me was something that I never expected to be the heart of my body image problem. Mm. Um, And so that's really what I talk about in the book is how I, um, how God revealed to me what the root of my body image issue was and Mm -hmm. kind of walked me on a path right out of that, and it didn't include me just deciding to look in the mirror and love myself, Mm -hmm. or me having to love my body, or any of those little cliches that really are used in the church as much as they're used in culture at large. Like, I kind of reject all those cliches. I I don't think they help. I've Mm -hmm. never been in a church where a woman raised her hand and she said, oh, I never knew it's what's on the inside that counts.
1: <laughs>
2: but I've been in churches where yeah. women will say from the front, God made every woman beautiful, and they mean physically beautiful. And I open up the Word of God to Genesis 29, and I see that he tells us Leah was ugly. Mm. And I think, you know, my Sunday school teacher never mentioned that. Like, mm. why Why aren't we comfortable talking about the fact that God didn't make Leah hot as a model (laughs) and why, why is it so important for us as Christian women in 2018 to believe that we're all physically pretty? Mm, What what are we worshiping that makes us believe (laughs) that, that that's necessary um, and that has anything to do with our purpose. So, so really that's what my book's about in a 10 second nutshell is, is kind of uncovering some of those, some of those lies that, that we don't even talk about in church enough.
0: Mm, that's so good. That It's powerful that change in perspective and how we actually view this image. So I'm curious, your book is called Compared to Who? And um, when you – so I am imagining that you wrote this because you really – this was a struggle for you. I mean usually these books come out of – books come out of our own struggles, our own things that we've walked through. So was this something that you dealt with your whole life and was there like a certain point where you – God began to unpack all of this for you? Or was it overnight? Or what did that look like?
2: No, certainly not overnight. And you know, that's what I tell women. I'm like, God's going to open your eyes, but it's not like a, a switch is going to flip and mm-hmm. you're going to wake up like, oh, okay, I'm all better. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that'll happen. And you know, I pray it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but But for most of us, this kind of healing takes time and mm-hmm. changing habits and thought patterns and belief patterns, um, so for me I remember as young as elementary school thinking that I was too fat, specifically hating my legs mm-hmm. and that my legs were bigger than all the other girls legs in my class and trying um, trying to make my legs smaller and so that meant starting diets in middle school, by high school I was doing a diet called see how long I could go without eating um, normally by the time I got home from school late afternoon after activities and such, I was ravenously hungry. Mm-hmm. And so I would eat, and I'd eat dinner with my family, and then I'd go to bed feeling like I had failed, like I had done something wrong, mm-hmm. because I actually fed my starving body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would vow to myself that the next morning, the next day I would do better. And so, you know, this was a cycle for me really into college. I lost my period for nine months, my sophomore year of college, Mm -hmm. Uh, didn't have any idea that there was anything unusual going on with me because I believed that this was just a normal girl issue, that every woman... Uh, wanted to be thinner, that every woman spent as much time as I did worrying about her appearance and how she could change it, and that this was just something because I was born female that I was going to always have to struggle with. It was just my lot in life. Mm. (laughs) This is what women do. We worry about what we look like. And so I, I really, I had searched for freedom everywhere. If there was a body image book that came out, I bought it. If there was a speaker talking about body image somewhere, I I went and I heard her speak. And, and if she told me to just, you know, love myself and remember that God made me beautiful, I would do that for a solid, like 20 hours. Mm -hmm. And then I'd turn on the TV and see a model and be like, oh, okay, but I kind of suck a little compared to her Mm -hmm. and, you know, and go right back to the same pit. And so it wasn't until really after I was married, um, in my early thirties that God started opening me up to this concept, um, that I had made beauty and body image an idol. And I thought being raised in a church, I thought idolatry was like the one of the 10 commandments that I didn't really have to worry about Mm
0: -hmm. because
2: didn't even have a garden gnome or, you know, (laughs) if I, when in a Chinese restaurant, I kind of look the other way. It's not even make eye contact with Buddha, right? Yeah, yeah. So- I, idolatry was definitely not going to be a problem for me yeah. um, but God showed me how I was looking to my physical appearance, to beauty, to body image, to what I actually look like um, as, as an avenue to salvation wow. that I, I in some twisted way, and I couldn't have told you this then, I mean yeah. it's only now that I can articulate it, but in some twisted way I thought that if I looked different I would be freer I wouldn't have to worry about going on the next diet. I wouldn't have to worry about whether or not I was exercising enough. Everyone would love me. I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, finding a husband. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm Because I was single at the time, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was... I wouldn't have to worry about any of those things because once you're beautiful, your life is perfect or mm-hmm. so I believe. Um, and, and it's funny because if you just have to look at the, the headlines around those magazine pictures. You know, you're checking out a Target mm-hmm. and you see, like, the girl in the bikini on the front cover and you're like, Ugh, that's not helpful to me today because yeah. that kind of makes me feel bad. But if you look at the headlines around those women, like, what do they often say? Like, why she struggled with depression? Mm-hmm. You know, how he cheated on her? Mm-hmm. You know, why she almost ended it all, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are the headlines you read around these beautiful women who culture tells us, you know, are the standard of of beauty, right? Mm -hmm. And we we somehow absorb this lie that beauty is what we need to have better lives. And we miss the truth that even beautiful women struggle. Mm -hmm. Like even beautiful women, you know, they've got hard times, hard things in their lives. Mm -hmm. So. So yeah, I think um, boy,
1: I, I went probably far away from your. Home. No, that's good. No, it's so good. So Heather, I have a question for you. What was there? Was there anyone in your life when you were just kind of realizing like this is a huge struggle for me? I'm gonna have to learn how to be healed of this. Was there anyone that you could go to? Like, did you have women that were around you that you could go and be honest with and be vulnerable with? and get godly input or did you feel like you were just kind of on an island alone
2: I don't feel like and at the time this is true but I believe this is true at large I don't believe that there are enough women in our churches that have the resources to deal with helping women with body image issues yeah. I feel like when I talk to women at church about it they would nod right or say I'll pray for you mm-hmm. or um, which is good, but sometimes you need some feedback too, right? Yeah, or yeah. or say, Well, you know, just remember that that God thinks you're beautiful. Yeah. Well, any woman really in the throes of an eating disorder or body the struggles, like that that's not that's not the right sound bite right. at that moment in your life. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like so I did this study last year, you guys 600 Christian women, and I tried to get a bunch of women who didn't claim to be Christian as well to have a really solid study of what it looked like, what what body image and comparison issues looked like in the church versus outside the church. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get enough women to participate that weren't Christians, and most of my circles, most of the people forwarding it were Christians. So, mm-hmm. so I got I got about 600 Christian women and about like 30
0: mm-hmm. unbelievers.
2: Um, so I didn't get enough data to say anything like solidly about what we look like, um, in comparison to each other mm-hmm. but i will tell you that it was interesting i asked women like if it helped them when they heard it's what's on the inside that counts you mm-hmm. know and and on a scale of one to five most women were like that's a two mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um five being yeah that totally helps me and one being not at all mm-hmm. so so they would say that that was like a two and then you know well what um how do you feel when someone tells you that like god thinks you're beautiful well that's like you know a two maybe a three mm-hmm. right how do you feel it when you hear that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Well, that's like, you know, maybe a three, right? But then I asked the question, well, what do you tell a woman who's struggling? And you know what they said? They said, well, I tell her it's what's on the inside that
1: counts. (laughs)
2: And God made her beautiful and, you know, not to worry about it. And I'm like, looking at this data thinking, we have no idea what to say to other women because we just know that those lines don't work on us, but yet we we feed them to each other. Yeah. and so that's that's why I'm so passionate about this. I think I think women in the church need resources to actually help them minister to other women yeah. because you know even even inside the church this happens. But I I was a, a I was gonna say a gym teacher. I was a teacher at a gym, <laughs> I'm not a gym teacher. Um, I, I've been a, a fitness instructor for I guess I've been certified for about. 14 years now and so I taught in gyms for over a decade yeah. and you know what happens when two women come into a gym and I'll just use the example of a spin class two women come in a spin class and they sit on bikes and they turn around and there's normally a mirror behind them and they turn around and the one woman's like oh look at my butt oh, mm-hmm. you know and what does the other woman say basically something like oh yours is fine look at mine yeah or oh you look fine look at my stomach right yeah. like it turns it turns into like who's the biggest ogre kind of yeah. contest yeah. right so when we complain about our bodies what do we do to help the other woman feel better well we tell her I- i'm ugly too
1: yeah
2: <laughs> right yeah. you know like that's and, and does that help mm. like has anyone ever walked away from one of those conversations feeling you know better
1: uplifted <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right? you don't yeah. right yeah. right I
2: mean, in college one time like this story embarrasses my roommates a little bit but they told me I could share it like we were having like a legit fight my junior year of college over whose size were the biggest yeah. and so we were like okay let's settle this once and for all so we went and we stood single file in front of the mirror mm-hmm. to see whose size stuck out the widest yeah and you know what happens in that scenario no one wins no everyone one feels better Yep. everyone walks away from that feeling like they were the one who saw stuck out the widest, mm, right? Yeah. No matter what the truth is, like, you're, you're just, you're stuck there. And so what I try to do is I try to encourage women, especially, you know, within the context of Christian community, you know, we women need to start telling each other things about where our value really comes from. Mm. And stuff just kind of placating and pacifying this like girl talk you know this diet talk i was speaking with a woman this morning who's the executive director of a christian organization and she's an eating um eating disorder uh survivor if you will uh, she was hospitalized so she's definitely a survivor and um she said it's hard for her work because it's so normal for these christian women to engage in regular conversations about the new diet that they're on -hmm. or how they need to lose weight or how they're too fat or or whatever that those are triggers for her Mm -hmm. i thought what would it look like if christian women actually started to change the conversation Mm -hmm. if we could actually engage with with each other differently on this issue? Like what a difference that
1: would make. So Heather, as someone that has so for you, as someone that's struggled with this, what does that look like? Okay, so you're you're in a setting with a group of women and you decide, hey, I'm gonna be honest with this woman right next to me about what I'm feeling, and you open up to her, what does that look like? What for you, what would a positive response be? Sure. It's something she could say to encourage you and to give you um the tools to help equip you towards healing.
2: Well, I think first step is to acknowledge that that whomever is giving the advice because I, I think most all women struggle with this and i think women that don't don't recognize that they struggle just haven't really like stopped and become that self-aware yet
1: yeah <laughs> to yeah be, to
2: be perfectly blunt they're okay. just not honest enough yet <laughs> um, they're right kind of in denial and they're probably in denial about a lot of things so they're probably not healthy enough to have this conversation anyway
1: True. Sure. yeah um,
2: but I think it starts with saying, yes, me too. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't mean me too in the way it's been yeah. used recently, but, but, but yes, I struggle too. Yeah. It is a battle for me when I look in the mirror or I look at that scale and doesn't see the number I want. Like it's a battle for me to not believe the lie that that's where my worth comes from. Mm-hmm. But I am learning to rely on Jesus, mm-hmm. identify my worth. I am learning daily and I'm growing in leaning on him to determine what I'm worth instead of leaning on my scale. Mm-hmm. Um, the one example that I use, which you couldn't really say, I guess you could, but in context with a friend, it might be a little awkward. But when I speak, I use a handheld mirror and I talk about how, like, one popular piece of advice in culture. It's, it's in women's magazines all the time. And I'm afraid that some Christian speakers actually give us advice too. Um, mm-hmm. But look in that mirror and you just focus on what you like about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't like your nose, you focus on your great hair mm-hmm. and you go into the world feeling confident because even though you have a stubby nose, you have fabulous hair and you mm-hmm. feel confident fabulous hair like like that's ridiculous if you're a christian woman trying to feel confident in your fabulous hair like you're missing some jesus <laughs> Yeah. Okay? that's right so yes. but, yeah. but what you need to do instead of looking in that mirror until you find something that you love about yourself you tilt that mirror up mm. and when that mirror is facing the sky then you're actually doing what you're here on this earth to do yes. our purpose is not to be beautiful enough have people worship us Mm -hmm. our purpose is to reflect him Yes. and the more I look in that mirror trying to make that mirror happy trying to make me happy with the reflection in that mirror Mm -hmm. like the more I just stay self focused and I stay Mm -hmm. stuck there Mm -hmm. right there's no freedom there and especially let me tell you ladies after 40 there's definitely no freedom in looking in the mirror Mm -hmm. longer you just find more more that you're frustrated Mm -hmm. about Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so it's like looking in the mirror longer is not the solution but when you can tilt that mirror up and remember that we're here to reflect Him, mm-hmm. wow, then then you can start to find freedom.
0: Oh, that is so good. We could just like raise all the praise hands.
1: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but I love that visual. Yes. Because that really is, I mean, our purpose is to reflect the sun, is to reflect yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And And when we do that, it's... I mean, eyes aren't on us anyway, so yeah. <laughs> They're I've on, got, Jesus. It's on YouTube,
2: I have got a little video of me speaking with that particular piece on YouTube. So if you want to see it, oh
1: yeah, will <laughs> have to link here. that. Yeah, it's
0: there. Yeah, we'll definitely link that on our Facebook. Um, so, okay, I have a question about your book because this sounds to me, you know, you talked about ninety-seven percent of women struggle with this, you know, this issue. So really, it's it's basically everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more than nine out of ten women. Um, so is this, is your book written in the kind of way, because Heidi and I, part of our calling and our life journey is equipping and empowering women to be everything that God has called them to be. And we have, you know, we have a circle of women around us that every single week, every single day we're encouraging. And we can definitely say this is an issue that we hear all a lot the time. Yeah. So is your book written in the kind of way where... We could do it as a small group type of study yes. um, because I feel what I feel like is that this needs to be us coming together and saying, we're in this together. We're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to change the conversation. We're going to change the verbiage that we use. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, abs- absolutely it is. So there's questions at the end of each chapter. I also did a little chapter summary at the end of each chapter because I feel like when I do group things... I'm always, if I, I read ahead, Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh wait, what was in this chapter? When I get to the group meeting, I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I read four chapters. I didn't just read that chapter. Um, so I did a little summary to make it easy. So when you show up at group, if you read the whole book, instead of just chapter two, (laughs) you can uh, remember what was in chapter two. And then there's questions and those Mm -hmm. questions, like what I encourage women to do is to do them on their own and with other women, Mm -hmm. because sometimes when we start digging by ourselves, we stop, right? Yeah. Mm You know, it's like, oh, I don't know if that feels good. Okay, well, we'll just put that aside. I'll work on that later. Right. Yes. So- so it's like you need the accountability of doing it with other women so so you keep going and dig into places that maybe don't feel so good, but then to go back and do it on your own where maybe you can dig in even a little bit deeper and go further into some things mm. I think is really a beautiful opportunity
0: too. I have to tell you, I'm so excited about this. I think you've created such a powerful tool and I would echo what you said um, we also are part of leading a local church, and it is it is frustrating when you do feel like. I mean, we have the Word of God, and Heidi and I talk all the time about the power in the Word of God, and and pointing women to that. But I think sometimes we don't know how to break it down into very practical steps. Like, how does God's how do God's principles? Apply in very practical, everyday steps. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what your book is doing. Like it's taking the principles of God's word and saying this is actually what it looks like in our daily life.
2: Okay, well, so here's one thing that I think we do too often that kind of robs some of the power of God's word in this context is I think we take those verses, you know, the fearfully and wonderfully made verse, um, for example, we take those verses and we try to make them about us instead of about God, mm-hmm. like we're making the Bible a self-esteem manual. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why sometimes those verses aren't effective at, at really cutting to the core of this issue, because oh, we're trying to make God's word self-esteem, you know, mm-hmm. boosting, you will. And I think, so one of the examples I use a lot, and I use it in the book is, um, the fearfully and wonderfully made verse, right? It's, I, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, who wrote that verse? It was King David, we believe, right? Mm-hmm. It's in Psalms. And and what we know about King David is that he was a radical worshiper, yeah. right? But it's like we read that verse and we make it about like mm-hmm. me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. Like, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. It's like, it's all about me. I'm yes. and wonderfully made. I am awesome. Remember that you're awesome because God made you awesome. Fearfully and wonderfully. Yeah. You are awesome. I am awesome. We're all awesome. Yeah. Like, I <laughs> think david was that kind of guy yeah. like i think david read that like i praise you yeah. for i'm really wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it well yeah. it's, it's not it's not about us
0: yeah right okay. it's
2: about how awesome it is that god created us with like eight thousand feet of intestine and mm. you know, in, in a one foot period you know one foot span of our body like you know we are crazy awesome in the way we we're built yes Yes. But if we focus on that, like we're all navel gazing, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, and that's where we get stuck. Like, the focus should be on the awesome God, not the awesome us.
0: Oh, yeah. That's so good. And it's really about our posture, isn't it? It's about, yeah. it's about our posture and being face down and saying, like, it isn't about us. It is about, it is about Jesus and, and seeing, seeing him first
1: and looking at him first and lifting him up. That's, that's really good. I love that perspective. Heather, I love the back of your book. It says, see your body image struggles as issues of the heart, then find freedom from body insecurity using five biblical rooted steps. Yeah. I, I think that really, absolutely everything we struggle with, it does come back to the heart, doesn't it? Sure
2: does. And, and so often, I mean, I think the biggest lie that women believe in this arena is that my body image issues are about my body. Yeah. If I change my body, I'll be free. Yeah. If I- Get the hair i want, the size i want, the weight i want, the nose i want, the boobs i want, you know, the abs i want, then i won't struggle anymore. But yeah. beauty does not work like that. Beauty's yeah. a liar. And beauty says, "Oh, you lost the weight. That's awesome. Now you need to get flatter abs." Oh, yeah. you got flatter abs. That's awesome. Now you need to fix this. Yeah. And now you need it keeps you on the treadmill. You yes. can never satisfy beauty. Um you'll, you'll it'll never be enough. And then oh by the way, at the same time you're right? You know, like you're not getting younger, (laughs) you're getting older. Um, So it's, it's, it's impossible to keep beauty happy.
0: So do you think this, this is just the root of this? And and I'm going to ask this because I have to preface it with a story. I have an eight-year-old daughter and all she ever hears from us is, um, is positivity. You know, she's, we are not in this household. We do not talk about, you know, oh, I really need to lose weight or I really need to do this. So I, I know that she's not hearing that in our home. But the other day she was sitting down and I said something to her about, Jules, you are so cute. Just, you know, she had a cute little outfit on and she goes, yeah, except look at my legs. And she pointed to her thighs where, you know, the upper part of your leg is a little thicker. And I mean, she's a tiny little girl. And she was like, they're not they're not skinny here. She's, she's eight. And it's not... I would I would say that some girls probably have heard that before. Yeah. And I don't think Juliet probably has. Um, I mean she obviously has somewhere, but so is this just is this root just Satan putting this in, like speaking these lies to us? Is this where this is at? Or what where do you think that this comes from? Outside of obviously our culture, we hear it and see it all the time. But
2: yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the enemies at work on this issue. But I just, I feel like, I feel like there's, there's, I mean, I know girls are starting to diet in second grade. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, so in your daughter's case, you know, who knows what the little girl at church, yeah. <laughs> church in Sunday school said or whatever, yes. you know, like in, in her kids' class. I mean, you know, there are girls, girls are hearing this. Mm-hmm. And I think as home educators, we have a little bit more of a, mm-hmm. you know, better eye and ear as to what our girls are actually hearing, mm-hmm. but when they're in context with girls that are in the public education system, yeah. I mean, just know that it's not uncommon for girls to be talking about diets in kindergarten, first, second grade. That's when it's starting now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you don't know where she's picking it up, but then, you know, for girl moms, I would say you know, I feel like there's been somewhere along the line, someone told us to make sure we don't say like the D word diet, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you, you, your daughter doesn't hear you say any of those things. And it's like this emphasis on what we say, what we say, what we say, mm-hmm. but I believe that our girls are much better at interpreting what we do mm-hmm. and how uh, we actually see ourselves and mm-hmm. what we believe about ourselves. They're a lot better at decoding those messages mm-hmm. than they are at really internalizing when we tell them they're beautiful and God God made them beautiful and mm-hmm. they're fearfully <laughs> wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. I, I think, girl moms, the pressure's on us, yeah. if you will. Um, my three year old daughter. Um, she was like a big smile-in-the-mirror kind of girl, as most little girls are, you know, and we'd have a hard time getting her to brush her teeth because she would just be smiling at herself so much <laughs> and looking at herself from every angle. We're like, okay, Katie, you have to brush your teeth now.
1: Yeah.
2: But, uh, but she was three, and I was putting on my makeup, and she was standing in my bathroom watching me, and she was like, Mommy, why do you make frown face when you put on your makeup? Hmm. And I tell you, ladies, that convicted me,
0: yeah.
2: because I was ready to never say the D word about it, you know around her, never to complain about my body around her. She was never going to hear anything like that, but she saw me scowl at myself mm-hmm. in the mirror as I'm you know checking out the latest wrinkle or yeah. <laughs> you know whatever yeah and and that's what she heard, wow. Hm. So I think we have to, you know, it's that cliche of get your own oxygen mask on
1: first.
2: No matter what your age or how old your daughter is you know, I think I encourage moms, get it straight for yourself first. Know where your identity comes from first. That's going to matter so much more than what you tell your little girl or or teenager or adult daughter even.
1: Mm. I think this is such an important message, Heather. I way back in the day um, was in an industry that was all about beauty and all about um, professional modeling. And you know, I'd look back on that time that I was in that arena, and I, I remember thinking I would be in a room full of hundreds of beautiful women, like truly beautiful women, and the self-esteem that I would notice among them was so, so low. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's, I I think it is so, so important. And they were young women, many of them still in their teens, in their very young teens, and You know, this is something that culture says all around us. You know, you mentioned, like, where would our little girls hear this? But, you know, I think, and this is not a slam against any particular show, but I I was noticing one day I was watching The Voice and I love that show, but I was hearing a lot of the women specifically say over and over and over, I'm so glad this is a show about my voice and not my looks because otherwise I wouldn't make it. Yeah. And so I do think that the the messaging is so, so loud from our culture about yeah. what a woman is supposed to look like in order to be esteemed as pretty or as even cute or as mm-hmm. worthy mm-hmm. of someone's attention. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, what's, what does this conversation with your husband look like? Because, you know, you said, how long have you been married, Heather?
2: We've been married almost 13 years.
1: Okay. Congrats. That is awesome. Thank you. Um so what's that look like with your husband cuz I know as a married woman just cuz you get married it does not mean that all of a sudden your self-esteem is intact does it
2: Yeah you know we had some hard days <laughs> years it's probably more accurate um because I didn't have all this straight when we got married and I really believed that he was going to solve my body image issues wow. I thought that Once I, you know, had a ring on it, if you will, that, um, you know, that I would I would feel affirmed enough
1: um,
2: that I wouldn't I wouldn't have that drive to am I good enough for a man? Am I good enough for a man that that would be settled? Mm. Um, And it wasn't. And um so, and so, what that looked like in our marriage was me trying to, you know, well, you have to say this, or you're not, you're not affirming me enough. Mm. You're, not, you're not, using the right words. Yes. You're not saying it in the right tone. You know, trying to kind of micromanage, um, <laughs> micromanage how he complimented me, so I would feel better. And you know, then it didn't work because I'm like, well, I just told you what to say. So mm. he was really, really stuck there. Um, but you know, really, what it looked like um, for me was as I began to work through these issues um, for myself, really finding the freedom that um, that I could just let him love me uh, for me,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and trying to to learn, and it was a process, learn to trust the truth that he did love me. Mm-hmm. And- chosen me, and that even though he could see better-looking women on billboards, or on the internet, or on television, um, that he had still chosen me. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, I know there's a lot of women out there whose husbands struggle with with lust, and and. You know, it's it's so difficult to not believe that if I looked better, then he wouldn't struggle. Mm. But that's absolutely a lie of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think it, it was important in our marriage for me to come to a place where I was like, you know what? I can I can feel safe in his love, knowing that yes, there's more beautiful women around. Mm-hmm not what our marriage is based on Mm -hmm. and and you know really so it's so funny it's it's like i think sometimes this might be a a rabbit trail you guys
1: (laughs) we like rabbit trails that's okay
2: (laughs) sometimes you know we tend women we tend to be a little bit Mm. self-righteous like men men are a little bit like you know yeah i'm scum whereas women you know (laughs) are sometimes more on the you know well you're scum and i've got all the others so why aren't you keeping up
1: um Mm okay i don't
0: have to put you, on, no, not on you guys Yep, but, we got it but so
2: it's like his sins are like you know whoa oh my word how can you be that lousy mm. and my sins are like you know i'm not that bad mm. <laughs> and and what what i believe you guys with this body image issue like i believe this is the female equivalent of the lust issue for men right, right. like this is this is what keeps us bound in our marriages yeah. right like we're afraid to be intimate because we're afraid we don't look like whomever was just on television a minute ago um so why would he want to be with us and and then we take that into our bedrooms Mm -hmm. and we you know behave accordingly and and so that starts to like drive us apart
0: yeah
2: and um and so once again we've It's not up to him to fix it. We've got to get our values settled in our own hearts and our own heads um, in order to be free to enter marriage the way we're supposed to. Mm.
1: I think that is such an important point, Heather, because um, my husband and I were actually just talking a few nights ago, and I can't remember what it was in reference to specifically, but we started talking about um, women and men and their differences and kind of the expectations of women for their husbands and vice versa. And he brought up a point that I thought was very interesting. And I think it's so true. He said he doesn't think, in general, you know, he wasn't specific on anyone, but he said he doesn't think that women necessarily understand the amount of time that men put into thinking about and processing how much they like their women, <laughs> like how truly proud they are that their yeah. woman is their woman. And you know I think men men do get a lot of negative publicity about like being scum and you know what like what a dog and um but that he was basically saying I don't think they get enough credit. I don't think get men get enough credit for really how good they are for yeah. how much good they think about their wives and how you know yeah they might be thinking about a woman and it's probably her, mm-hmm. you know, their wife. And yeah. so I I do like that you mentioned that because I think that In our own minds, when we start to switch that thought process, when the enemy tries to tempt us and go, I bet your husband is thinking about someone, we go, yeah, I bet he is. And I bet it's me. Mm -hmm. And we start to rewire our brain to believe that our husband is good Mm -hmm. because so often he actually is Mm -hmm. good. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, and what does love do, right? First Corinthians 13, like love, love believes the best. Yeah. 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 Like how how easy is it us is it for us to believe the worst instead yeah. of defaulting to believing the best? Yeah. yeah,
0: that's so powerful. I'm really excited. I first of all just want to say thank you for writing this because it's as a as a church leader and as a leader of women, it's so wonderful to find tools yeah. that can help us um, spur this conversation on. So thank you so much. And then tell us how people where people can find your book. And where they can get a hold of you, where they can see your videos, and all of that.
2: Well, yeah. Um. So my website is dot Me, and if you've got any grammar Nazi listeners, I know it should be whom. <laughs> I found it very stuffy and British. <laughs> I didn't want to come across as stuffy and British. Because- <laughs> be my writing style I'm pretty much just like all out there and I try to be kind of funny oh, I so, love it. Um, so Stuffy and British didn't have the right um, <laughs> right feel exactly but it's yeah compared to who.me.me .me .me Um, and all my social handles are compared to who, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest, um, and, um, yeah, and on YouTube as well. Um, and the book is on Amazon and all other Christian booksellers. Uh, if you want to know more first, you can go to my website. There's a book tab right on the front page. Um, and you can, you know, watch the trailer for the book and learn more. Um, my publisher is running a special right now for small groups Mm -hmm. where half off the book um, and free shipping for group
1: mm,
2: wow. so um just if you've got any listeners that have a small groups getting ready to start up like i think they're only doing it for i don't know for the month maybe Perfect. um so you can check that out but um it's a really good deal the book makes the book 750 okay. um and they'll do free shipping so
0: yeah that's awesome thank you so much for that okay so before we let you go um we heard that you may have been on a tv show is that correct
2: Yes, I am I am a fabulous baker. So you can also find me on Netflix. Oh, um, tell not us about really that. A fabulous baker. <laughs> Less than fabulous baker. <laughs> but yes, I'm on a Netflix show called Nailed It. And I am in episode one, season one. I'm the first contestant. So if you want to see how horrible my baking skills are, to really get a better feel for uh, what I really like, you can uh, you can watch that show. It was it was a lot of fun.
0: Oh my um, goodness! It, I'm totally gonna go watch that when we're done recording. <laughs> that is yeah, so no, it's, fun. It's a
2: lot of fun. I will warn you because your kids are home during the day. Um, they cut a lot out. It, mm. it, there's there's a couple PG PG sure. words. Um, but you know, my kids kind of glossed over them. But yeah. I just I
0: do want to throw that out there. Yeah.
2: It, okay. They, Netflix told me it was going to be family friendly, but I think Netflix and I have different definitions. Uh-huh.
1: family <laughs> friendly. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't know that Netflix knows Jesus, so yeah. that might <laughs> be your different. On
2: the same standard that I'm <laughs> on. So.
0: that's oh, so man. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for sharing your heart and what a what a powerful um conversation that this is and i hope that it just continues i hope that it expands and spreads and that yeah. you know women all over start to change the conversation um about themselves and about their friends and their moms and their sisters and that we start to be that voice that yeah. points people to jesus and and like you said just turning that mirror up that's such a good analogy so thank you so much for sharing your story
2: oh well, thank you for having me it was fun to be here
1: heather i think that was such an important conversation I think there's probably not one female listening that didn't have at least one or 25 moments of, yep, me too. Right? You know? I know. I mean, I was thinking of several of them just in my own, just in today, just things that I
0: was like, oh, yep, totally did that. Totally thought that. Yep. You know? And and I feel like um, body image issues is not something that I've ever, and I I won't say ever struggled with, but it hasn't ever been like the main like a struggle that I had, right. It's, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely there, sure. but I put it a little bit lower yeah. on, on the scale of yeah. what I feel like I really is forefront. Um, but as she was talking, I really did realize that it is so much more about
1: what's in my heart yeah. towards my body mm-hmm. and towards how God made me. So yeah. good. Yeah. Well, we would encourage you to check out Heather's book and, um, obviously reach out to Heather. If this is something you're struggling with, I've known a lot of women in my life who it's been a huge, huge struggle and even some young women who have lost their lives over it. So reach out to Heather and um, ask her questions on her social media about how she has overcome this and obviously read her book because I bet she answers so many questions in there. So thank you so much for listening and we will chat with all of you next time on the and h Hour. Heather, one reason I love our sponsor is because they're the actual hair studio that I go to to get my hair done. And I've been going to my stylist, Cody, for many years now. And so she can read me pretty well. Yeah, And I remember one time when I walked in to get my hair done, she said to me, are you okay today? Hmm. And I said, you know, it's been a really hard day. Hmm. And she's like, how about I grab you a glass of wine? And it was so sweet because it was not about the wine. It was just about her noticing me. Yes. And they want people to walk out feeling better about themselves. And I did. I walked out feeling better because we had this great conversation and I had just kind of a moment to recollect myself. So that's one reason I really love yeah. Pure Bliss Studio is because they notice their people. Yeah,
0: you were noticed. And we all need that. We all need to feel noticed. We all need to feel cared for sometimes. You can be the person who cares for everyone else. Yes. And you still need those moments where you get noticed. Yes. So if you want to check out our sponsor for today, we, especially if you're local, obviously, if you're not local, this would be difficult. Yes. But maybe you come in to town to visit us and then you can go get your hair done. <laughs> there you go. Um, They are Pure Bliss hair studio and day spa in peoria illinois you can find out all their information and all of the services that they offer at pureblisspeoria.com. peoria.com and just for our listeners heidi if they're a first time client at the spa they get to go in and get 20 percent off but they have to say that the h sent them they're right. not just going to randomly know that's right that you're an HH listener yeah. so be bold and ask for that discount and enjoy and treat yourself